We're talking about praying by the rules. And so this series, we're in week three of, and I want to encourage you, we, we did about a six or seven week series on how to lay an effective foundation for your prayer life. And in that series, we talked about you know, fervency in prayer and, and just so many wonderful things that that lays a great foundation. The Holy Spirit said to me about these series, about prayer, because 2020, God wants you to lay hold of things that many of these things you haven't even seen yet. The ability to pray effectively is so important in these last days. As we are at the end, end of this church age, we need to know we need to know how to pray effectively. You know, the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen, or so be it unto us. The Bible says a lot of things. So we're dealing with not only the principles of prayer, but we're also dealing with the mechanics of prayer, how those principles work. But you can't just talk about that, otherwise you're going to be a prayer robot, no, it's all about, we're talking about the heart of it, too, or the spirit of prayer. And turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We started last week talking about the prayer of faith. You know, in the New Testament, there are nine different types of prayer. They're outlined. And many of them have different, seven of the nine have different rules, different principles. You could even say different spiritual laws that apply to them. And so we've learned, as you're turning to uh, Ephesians, it, it talks about that all of our prayer, we're to prayer all these pray all these different types of prayer as we're stirred by the Spirit, right? This is, this is so important. The Holy Spirit orchestrates us on how to pray. And we talked about our whole, fight, our whole prayer life will have this foundation but then on top of that foundation, there's really four categories of prayer. So let me read Ephesians 6.18 to you, and we'll launch off here, and we'll talk about these things again. Ephesians 6.18 says, praying always. Moffat's translation brings out the Greek very well. It, it literally, he says it this way, praying at all times. So prayer, remember, prayer is communing with your heavenly Father, Prayer is inviting heaven into your life, into your circumstances. It's, it's inviting God into your life. We need that. So praying at all times or praying always with all prayer. The Amplified Translation brings out that Greek meaning all manner of prayer. So we pray at all times all manner of prayer or the different types of prayer. But then it says and supplication in the Spirit, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This phrase, in the Spirit, brings out, Weymouth's translation brings out the Greek, stirred by the Spirit. So our whole prayer life is to be orchestrated by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He is your, he is, we, we, he's our everything, Right? Our weakness as a Christian, as listed in the Bible, is we don't, Romans chapter 8, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But he knows exactly what you're to pray, how you're to pray, when you're to pray, and he will, he will lead you and guide you into that. So, so take all the pressure off yourself to have an effective prayer life. You have to it's, it's based on the Word of God, which the Holy Spirit only testifies of the Word, right? But it's led by the Spirit of God. So remember, you've heard me say this so many times. Being led by the Spirit is not a set of principles that you learn. It is a sensitivity that you maintain, right? So it says here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance, this Greek word means persistency. And it says, it finishes up in supplication for all saints. So as we've said, there's nine different types of prayer. Seven of the nine have different rules. James chapter 5, verse 16, at the end of this, 
At the end of this verse, we've, we, this is another foundational piece. It literally says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the Amplified Version, it literally says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a, right, of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So we see from this passage of Scripture, our prayers have to be heartfelt. They're continued, right? We continue in prayer. Does that mean we just keep begging God and begging God, God, please, please do this. Please. No, no, no. No, it's always with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, right? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will literally mount guard over your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So these are foundational passages of Scripture in this whole series. So remember, the foundation of our prayer life is what? John 15, 7. We must abide in Him. Now remember... If you're born again, you're in Christ. His Spirit is in you. But this is talking about abiding means you live in Him. Right? And His words are to abide in you. John 15, 7 says, you'll ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you. So we know part of this foundation is we have to be living in Him. And His word is living in us. As his word lives in you, you will live in him. And then as you live in him, you'll hunger after his word so it's living in you. And then as you're hungering after his word and you're, and you're allowing that word to abide in you, it's going to cause you to live in him. And it's just this perpetual, it's how we walk. Acts 17, 28. See, it's not mechanical, it's a flow. It's in him that I live that I move and that I have my being. As you go throughout your day, he will literally lead you and guide you and stir you and orchestrate you on what to pray. Many times, you know, we said, remember, there's, there's a foundation. What is the other foundation? John chapter 16. In that day, you're going to ask me no more questions, Jesus said. But whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. And remember, two different words, ask. In that day, Jesus said, you'll ask me no more questions. You won't question me anymore. That's what that word ask means. But whatsoever you ask the Father, this is the Greek word eito, it means whatever you call for, require, and make a demand for from your Father, He will give it unto you. He'll do it. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, right, in faith, with his word abiding in me and I'm abiding in him. And that will be the foundation of our whole prayer life. Okay? So if his word's not abiding in you, it's going to hinder your prayer life. If you're not abiding in him, if you're allowing self-centeredness or selfishness or you're living out of your flesh and you're allowing things, it's going to affect your prayer life. In other words, it's going to affect your communion with him. God wants you to know how to fellowship with him, how to walk with him. He's concerned about every little thing in your life. It's because he loves you, right? So we keep an open invitation always. Father, listen. I don't get in the word, I live in it, right? I don't have this on and off relationship with you. No, no, I walk with you all the time. Knowing that you're a God of all mercy, that when I mess up or I, I choose wrong or do this, listen, you're right there. Your mercies are new to me every morning. Your mercy's greater than my disobedience. So I never run from you, I run to you. When I don't understand what to pray, Man, you've made a way for me to tap in and be led by the Spirit of God. And you'll lead me and guide me in the Word of God on how to pray. Or in my prayer language, you'll lead me where I'm praying the perfect will of God as I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, on top of this foundation now, 
there are four categories of prayer. And we're dealing with the first category. The first category includes six of the nine prayer prayers, right? Prayer of faith, we've been talking about that. We'll talk about it a little bit more. A prayer that's very similar and even overlapping, the prayer of agreement. And then we'll get into united prayer, right? The prayer of praise and worship. The prayer of commitment. The prayer of commitment is a wonderful thing. Man, you'll just be going throughout your day and all of a sudden, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll start to sense, man, I'm carrying what I shouldn't be carrying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will start stirring you to pray the prayer of commitment. What is that? It's the prayer where you're committed. You're literally, Father, I'm committed to humble myself under your mighty hand and cast the whole of my care on you. I'm not to carry anything in this life. I'm to travel light. Because your yoke is easy, your burden is light. It's the way of the transgressor that's hard. Not, not with God. We don't, we're Christians. We don't live by a bunch of do's and don't rules. We live in a vibrant, loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. Isn't it wonderful? And when you know that, man, you run to Him. You come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy to find grace to help you in your time of need. You come as his child, realizing that I might not feel like it, but your word says that I've been made the very righteousness of all my, of you. I've been made your righteousness in Christ. And all I had to do was simply believe what you said. I was made righteous through faith, not by the keeping of any law. So see that category. And then we go, then we go into the prayer of consecration and dedication. You know, I grew up in a mainline denomination that they would use those rules of the prayer of consecration and dedication for every prayer. So if you were sick, you're like, hey, Father, I'm sick. I ask that you'd heal me if it be your will. But there, there's only one time that Jesus prayed if it be your will. That was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went to his father and he said, Father, if there's any way in, in, in English... If there's any way that we can redeem man without me having to be separated from you, bear all the sin, if there's another way, but nevertheless, not my, not my will, but yours be done. That's when you pray, if it be your will. That's where you're going throughout your day and all of a sudden you start getting stirred. All of a sudden maybe you've, you've started to go in a, or started to think wrong and, and you're thinking about that your life really is your, your own and, and you want to do your own thing and then all of a sudden your spirit man's going, no, 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 we're not doing this. Jesus is my Lord. And so you, you, the Holy Spirit will stir you and there's an anointing when he stirs you to pray, Father, listen, I am committed to your plan and purpose for my life. I'm committed to the kingdom of God. I seek first the kingdom, not my own self. And I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do because my life is yours. So whatever your will is, I'm willing to submit to that. So those are, that's just, but that's just one leg on the table, right? Then we go over here, we have this whole other leg praying with tongues or praying in tongues, however you want to say that. And, you know, we're going to talk about that. There's a pri That's one of the nine prayers. There's a public side to tongues, the gift of tongues, which you need in a public setting. You need the interpretation of tongues, another one of the nine. Those are given severally as the Holy Spirit wills. But there's a private side. See, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence is I was given this prayer language where the Holy Spirit at any time, he's giving my spirit utterance and I can pray in an unknown tongue and I'm literally praying the perfect will of God. The Bible says when I pray in the spirit like that, I'm giving thanks well. It builds myself up on my most holy faith. It, it also says that I'm praying out the perfect will of God. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna we'll get into all that. But see, if somebody sits there and they're a Christian and they're going, yeah, but you know, I just don't believe, I'm an American and so I just don't believe in that Holy Spirit stuff. Well, it's like your table 
has three legs, right? So you're missing, you're missing a big part of that. And I'll tell you, this is why, guys, we have to learn and develop so that we know how to walk and yield to the love of God that was shed abroad in our hearts. Because for all of us here, you're all ministers of the gospel. There's no such thing as part-time ministry. You're all in full-time ministry. You're disguised as different things. But you, you've been chosen, called, and ordained by God. You know, I'm so excited. Friday night, we're going to do our helps ministry banquet. And man, we have almost 100 people signed up for that right now, right? I think we have like 120-some people in our church active in helps ministry. And we'll have just a fun night. You know, when we get together, we eat well and we have a lot of fun. But, you know, it, it's a supernatural ministry. We're all in the ministry. And so and we're going to stand before Jesus one day and give an account for what we did. Well, isn't it awesome to know that we can be equipped? Because God doesn't call us according to our ability. He calls us according to his ability. He doesn't call us to do anything for ourselves or by ourselves. He calls us to do everything with him right? So that's that second leg. But then over here, now you've got this other third leg that's huge. It's called, it's one of the nine prayers. It's the prayer of intercession, right? It's where intercession, we are, we are interceding for people who don't know God to bring them and introduce them to a heavenly father that loves them and redeemed them and wants to know them perfect, uh, personally. And then there's this whole other fourth leg of our prayer life, this fourth category, and that's supplication. Supplication looks a lot like intercession, and we're going to talk a lot about those two types of prayer so that we really understand and outline from the Bible so we clearly understand the difference. And really what's cool, now remember, all this is a flow. This is, it's just a flow. After this series, you'll be so excited because all of a sudden you'll be stirred, and you'll be like, He's stirring me to pray this prayer. And all of a sudden, man, you'll, all these scriptures will come up and you'll know how to be led effectively. But supplication is a prayer that you pray for a believer. Many times you could pray it for yourself or you pray it for another believer. It's for the purpose of, of helping that other believer or helping yourself lay hold of the plan of God for your life. We always need help. Amen? So as we learn how to operate, I want you guys, and I, and I notice I've went through this a lot, but it, it doesn't it become more and more simple when you keep talking about it? There's a foundation, and then you've got these four categories that you flow in and out of as the Holy Spirit orchestrates, praying all manner of prayer at all times as I'm stirred by the Holy Spirit. And I pray heartfelt. It's a continued prayer. And, and boy, I'll tell you, because I'm righteous and I've been given the name of Jesus, which holds in it all authority and power and dominion, when I pray heartfelt out of my spirit, it's effective. It makes tremendous power available. You know, don't try to, don't try to fix your spouse. You don't have to. Pray for them. Let God, let God mold them. Don't try to fix your kids. Now, if they're, if they're growing up in your house, yeah, please. Be used by the Spirit, you know, be led by the Spirit and help them. But if you have older kids, man, pray for them. Right? Tremendous power. They could be out doing their own thing. Listen, don't be all stressed about that. You just keep declaring. You keep declaring. Isaiah 54, my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. I declare in Jesus' name that they will be radically saved, walk with the Lord, fulfill the plan and purpose of God for their life. Their path will be one of increase, right? Amen. I mean, that's what we declare. And the Holy Spirit will stir you. Man, when he stirs you to do something... I love the anointing. As a pastor, it's no fun to do anything out of the anointing. That's why you'll never hear me tell you what to do. I have no anointing to tell you what to do. 
I, I'm anointed to feed you the word of God, to love you, to live my life before you. But you have the spirit of God. He'll, he, the word is the one that's the lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Isn't that good news? It's just so, so much better. Hallelujah. Man. And then we talked about this. Five things that you really need to know about prayer. Real simple. Number one, we call them five steps. Remember the one night I came over here and I said, okay, these five steps of prayer. You gotta know that it's God's will for whatever you're asking him for. You have to have the word of God on it, otherwise you can't take that first step. You must know that what you're calling for, requiring, making a demand for, right? You have to know he's already said he's given it to you. Faith lays hold of what God has already given by his grace. Well, no, you're one of those name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it and possess it, guys. You're one of those faith people. Yeah, but I could only lay hold of what he says he's already given me. Does that make sense? Faith begins where the will of God is known. So you got it. If, if you got some things going on in your body, does God heal? Always? Sometimes? Never? The word is real clear that he's provided healing for everybody. Right? I mean, and if anybody teaches you any different, just say, okay, that's great. Where is that in the Bible? Because I'm not hearing any scripture. Right? So we have to know. But when I'm, when I'm facing something financially, I go to the word of God and I'm like, okay, let me find two or three scriptures in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. But if I find two or three scriptures that promise me in the realm of healing, Galatians 3, 13, 14, and 29, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28, from verse 16 through 60-something. And verse 61 is my favorite because it includes every sickness that will ever be. He's redeemed me from sickness and disease. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, right? That's another great one. Surely he bore my sickness and carried my pain. Uh, the Holy Spirit's commentary on Isaiah 53. Matthew 8, 17 is a big one, right? Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. Already did it. So therefore, when you get revelation of that, you're like, well, wait a minute then. This thing that's going on in my body has no legal right in my body. And then you rise up in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you. I receive my healing. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 6, right? Hey, don't forget all of his benefits. What are his benefits? Who forgives all of my iniquities. Next verse, who heals all of my diseases. Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed me. When was I healed? Man, I was healed almost 2,000 years before I was born. When was everything financially provided for me? He was made poor on the cross so that me through his poverty might be made rich. Rich, a full and abundant supply. Does it mean everybody will have a Rolls Royce? That's ridiculous. But I'll have a full and overflowing supply. And I need a full and overflowing supply because I'm not living for myself. So I need enough to make sure that I have everything to live at the level that the Lord wants me to live and plenty to sow in everywhere that he wants me to sow. When did he provide all that? Before I ever was born. See, I need to know how to walk in the love of God and yield to it so that, I, that, that the gifts inside of me will be palatable so I can share this with people. So I'm not beating somebody up. What do you mean you don't believe in healing? That's ridiculous. Well, that's not going to help anybody. Right? No, no, you tread and you look down on the inside so that your speech 
is always with grace that it builds up and edifies. But not only do you learn how to yield to the love of God, you learn how to walk by the faith of God. I'm not one of these you know, professional word of faith people that walk around talking about, well, my faith. Forget that. No, 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 I'm, I'm like Paul. I was crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, nevertheless I live. But wait a minute, but it's not me who's living, it's Christ who's living in me. And the life that I'm now living in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Which means that everything, as I walk in faith, it's dripping in his love. But then I also learn how to walk in his strength. Ephesians tells me to be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and be strong in the power of his might. I don't, if you want to know how strong I am, here's my goal. You got to ask how strong God is. Because I'm not going to try to do it in my own strength. Not any of it. Faith, the highest expression of my faith is complete rest. I have ceased from my own works. I'm not trying to figure out how I'm going to make this thing work. I'm looking at him. I'm looking down on the inside of me going, okay, I already know the end of it. I win. So now lead me into that victory that I already have. So I walk in the love of God. I walk by the faith of God. I'm I'm walking in the strength of God. And I'm so, because I'm at rest, now I'm sensitive and I can be led by the Spirit of God. And so I know the will of God, but it's not enough just to know his will. Because that's not going to get me up here. So I'm up here, okay, I know the will of God, but what's step number two? You have to know that God hears you when you pray. 1 John 5, 14, right? This is the confidence that I have in him. If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, whatever I'm asking him for, I know that I already have the petitions. In other words, that's step number three. So I got to know not only what his will is, I got to know that he hears me right when I pray, but then I've got to know that he answers me right when I pray. So I'm not waiting. Satan will come up and sit on my shoulder and say, man, you know, that pain is still there. And, and, and you need to go, excuse me? What does that have to do with anything? My God, he already said what his will is. He's already done it. I know he heard me, and I know he immediately answers me when I pray. So I have it. I've believed that I receive Satan, hide and watch. You're going to see it in my life, and there's nothing you can do to keep it from coming. Because I know him. He loves me. And then you got step number four. You must ask him for what you desire and believe that you receive when you pray. So, Father, I believe that I receive my healing, my provision, whatever it is, right? I believe that I receive it. And now, what do I do? Now, that last step, is I, it, it takes me over. Now I'm walking in it. So now as I walk between the time I believe I receive until the time I have, what do I do? I speak and I act as a result of what I've prayed. So every time I think about it, every time the enemy tells me, you're not healed, you're not, it's not working out. Father, I thank you that it is written, by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. It is written, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory, and it'll come to me by his son, Jesus Christ. It is written, it is written, so I act and I speak based on what I believe that I've received. And as I'm walking this way, eventually, guess what? I don't have to believe it anymore because I have it. The tumor's gone, the joints work perfectly, the blood work is great, The bills are paid. The debts are gone. You've never met a person that's ever gotten in faith, 
stayed in faith that did not walk in the result of it. Now, you've met probably a lot of people, starting with the guy maybe you look at in the mirror in the morning, that has maybe gotten faith and let go of something. But no more. Because we don't, we don't, get, this to, we don't get this separately. We get it together. That's why I love the church so much. So we said this about the prayer of faith. It is the prayer that changes things and circumstances. Always remember, spiritual things change physical things. We look not at the things we can see, but we look at the things we can't see. This is Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, right? Because the things that we can see are temporal that Greek word means if you can see it, it's subject to change. But the things that are not seen, the word of God, all these incredible promises, they are eternal. In the Greek, it's not subject to change. Isn't that good news? See, don't, don't, can't you just sense your spirit man just loves this because it's truth. Truth never is subject to change. Truth is not what you think it is. Truth is not of this world. Truth comes from our Heavenly Father. And I gotta tell you, there is nothing more relevant on the planet than Genesis chapter one through Revelation chapter 22. Every word of it. It's not subject to change. It's forever settled in heaven. And I gotta tell you, we are going to walk in a revelation of his word. We, we've been growing for 2,000 years. And i got to tell you, right now, we have a lot of spiritual illiteracy in the church. But that's changing. That's changing, and it's going to change very fast. The prayer of faith, it gives evidence to you of things that you cannot perceive with your senses. Right? Hebrews 11.1 1 is a great scripture. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is. Always remember that. Faith is always now. Faith is always now. It's never going to be. It's never in future. Faith is always right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So as we break this down, we find out now faith is the substance. Or you could say it this way, now faith is gives substance. What does that Greek word substance mean? It means confidence. It means a realization of things hoped for. Bible hope, this Greek word, it's not like natural hope. Natural hope is I hope I win the lottery, which means I may or I may not. Bible hope, that Greek word means a confident, joyous, expectation. In other words, now faith gives me the confidence of the things that I'm expecting. Well, why am I expecting them? Because he already said he gave them to me. I'm not guessing. Because my faith can't grab hold of something that he says that he hasn't said he's given me. Right? This is not... That faith is not blind, actually faith sees. The prayer of faith sees perfect. You see perfectly what God's will is, and then you reach out and you seize hold of it with your faith. It, it gives you confidence. It gives you a realization that you literally have the proof that you have something that you can't perceive with your senses yet. Right? It says, of things hoped for, the evidence or proof of things not seen. One translation even says, things not perceived by your senses. The literal translation of Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the confidence of that thing that you're expecting. It's the proof that you have what you can't perceive with your senses. See, the prayer of faith, it receives from God. That's what it's for. 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence, I'm going to say it again, that I have in him, right? That if, I, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, well, how do you know he hears you? Because you've asked according to his will. 
But if you know he hears you, what, what does that mean? Then now I know that I already have what I've asked him for. He immediately answers. So let's jump over to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. In Mark chapter 11, it gives us a great picture of the operation of faith. In Mark eleven twenty four, this is talking about the prayer of faith. This is talking about faith to receive things. This is a prayer that you pray for yourself. This prayer applies to your life, a person's own life, to your situations, to your circumstances, to your desires. Okay? But remember, your desires, as we said last week, your desires have to line up with God's will. If you abide in him and his words abide in you, then you'll ask what you will. Well, why? Because your will will be his will. Does that make sense? Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, there's counterfeit desires. There's things that you think you want, whatever. But man, there's desires from God. Even the word desire, D-E, it means of, S-I-R-E. Sire means of the Father. A true desire is of the Father. As I delight in the Lord, he is able to give me the desires of my heart. This is key to the prayer of faith. Because the prayer of faith in Mark eleven twenty four. 24, look at that. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire. Right? So what happens is, the will of God will go into your heart in the form of his word. And then what happens? The will of God will come out of your heart as you delight in him in the form of desires. And as you keep delighting in him, that desire will get, it'll, it'll just grow larger and larger and larger, and it will eclipse every other desire that's counterfeit or might be your own idea until it literally, you know that you know that you know this is it. And then, therefore, Jesus is saying, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. If you read a King James Bible, the word them, both of those words, is in italics because they're not in the original manuscripts. They're added to bring clarity to the text, which it does a decent job with that. But you could take those words them out. What things, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. Believe that you receive and you will have. Doesn't say believe you receive and you will have in 24 hours. Darn it. Don't you wish? Wouldn't that be nice? Now we need a new HVAC system, right? Father, I just believe that I receive $250,000. And I'm just like, man. We're 23 hours away right now. Right? Nope, it doesn't give a time period. And that's where the fight of faith is. From the time that you believe that you receive until the time you see it in your life, in this realm, that fight of faith, you're not fighting Satan, he's already defeated. Your fight, the fight of faith is to stay at rest is to stop trying to figure it out, and Satan will throw thoughts, well, why don't you have it now? Satan's like a little kid in the back seat. Are we there yet? Are, you, are we there yet? What about now? Right? But that's what Satan will do. He'll try to get you to put your prayer of faith in time. But there's not one promise in the Bible that says God will heal you. There's, there's hundreds that says God has already healed you. So he'll try to get you in, to, to think it's in time. No, 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 no. I've believed I've received it. When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Listen, when God says and you shall have, it's done. 
right? So what I'm going to do, my fight of faith is to stay at rest. What is rest? Hebrews lays it out. They that have entered into faith enter into his rest. They cease from their own works as God ceased from his on the seventh day. So I'm not trying to figure it out. And when Satan comes, I'm not just going to block him out. No, I'm going to take every one of those thoughts captive. How am I going to do it? The same way Jesus did it in the wilderness. It is written, it is written, it is written. I'm, going to, I'm not going to resist the devil and he'll flee from me. We love to quote that scripture. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Listen, if you resist the devil, he will laugh at you. But if you actually do the whole verse and you submit yourself to God, he starts kind of quaking in his boots. Oh, shoot, this person's submitting themselves to God. Then you resist the devil. He flees like he's in terror, right? Because now I'm in a right place. I, I'm, so, so always think about that. We humble ourselves. That's why that prayer commitment is so important. I'm going to roll all this care over on you. I'm not trying to figure this out. Uh, Lord, you're going to lead me and you're going to guide me. Right? So this is huge. Remember, according to desires, remember Smith Wigglesworth, that quote that I told you last week. Desire towards God and you'll have desires from God. Very simple. Jesus is saying in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, very simply, the prayer of faith, Jesus is saying to you and I, you can have what you desire if you will pray according to his word and believe that you receive when you pray. Now, religion hates that. But they could hate it all they want. The reality of it is, that's what Jesus said. Don't shoot me. Oh, come on. You're saying that, that God, God always answers prayer? Yes, yes, if you pray according to his will. Right? If you'll ask him whatever you desire, you pray according to his word, and you believe you receive when you pray, those are, then you'll have what you said. Right? When you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have. Notice, Believing that you receive comes before having. Having it in this realm will come after you've believed that you've received. That's the prayer of faith, right? So now, let's go over here. Let's go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, in verse 41 through verse 45, I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to read part of this story. It's about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. I want you to see some of these principles in the life of Jesus. So in John chapter 11, verse 41, you guys doing okay? Man, this is good, isn't it? I'm just being blessed. Oh, it's so good. The word is so good. It says here in John chapter 11, verse 41, it says, when they, or then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Could you imagine that? In Jewish thought, when a person died, their spirit would hover over that body for three days. But then it would leave. So now Jesus shows up, and now this body would have been decaying. It's in this sepulcher. It's decaying. And could you imagine the disciples? Did, Peter's going, or John's probably going, Peter, did, did he just, did he want us to roll this stone away? Does, does he not realize? I mean, he's been in there like over three days. Then Peter, loudmouth Peter's probably like, hey, Jesus, are you sure? Right, no, I, I'm just, I'm adding there. But, but could you imagine? So now he tells them, to roll the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Wow. In other words, Jesus knew something. He knew those five steps of prayer. Amazing. 
Because do you know, uh, Jesus didn't raise Lazarus from the dead as God. He lived on the earth as a man to show us how to live. And so here's the Son of God, the creator of the universe, and he says, oh, no, 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 I and myself can't do anything. It's the Father that does it. Wow. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you hear me always. Because when, now we learn from later, 1 John, that revelation, we know, gosh, if our Father hears us, then we know we already have what we've asked. So to Jesus, was he stressed at all? When Lazarus' sister comes to him and goes, you know, Lord, I know you're going to raise him up on the last day, on the resurrection. And, 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 and he had to tell her, Listen, the resurrection is not a date. The resurrection's a person. I am the resurrection and the life, he said. Wow, isn't that awesome? So now, he's like, I know that you always hear me, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. Because see, when Jesus was on the earth, that's what people had to believe. They had to put their faith in the fact that he was sent by God, that he was the Messiah. See, our faith is based on what? The finished work of Christ. It's all done now. How much more should we believe this? And it says, and when he had thus had, or when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, this is pretty interesting. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. You know, you start to think about that. How do you come forth bound hand and foot? I mean, there's a great possibility that all of a sudden this body comes hovering out of the tomb. Right? And it says, And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Notice how it said it again. The Holy Spirit's trying to, hey, have you noticed he was bound hand and foot? Right? And his face was bound with a napkin. Man, you better take that napkin off or he's going to suffocate. Right? And his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. Boy, there's a lot of different stories in this one. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Jesus prayed the prayer of faith. Well, he had to know the will of God. Why did he ask the Father? Why did he call for, make a demand for, and require? Well, because the Father was... He says, I only do what I see my father do. I only hear, or I only say what I hear him say. See, I only, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see him do. It's the same thing. The prayer of faith, it changes things. You receive something. Now, the prayer of agreement is a lot like it. Go over to Matthew 18, 19. The prayer of agreement, and you'll see this, the prayer of agreement, literally, this is where two people are praying the prayer of faith jointly. So you have two individuals that have come together, or actually two or more, come together, and they are both in faith together for something. Matthew 18, 19 says this, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. But you got to agree. So the prayer of agreement, here's the thing, you cannot be in agreement with somebody if you're not in faith. Because you, you, you must be in faith. So I would really encourage you, if you're going to somebody to stand in agreement with you, 
You want to give them the scriptures. You want to talk to them and make sure that they're in faith. Because if they're not, it's not the prayer of agreement. Right? Now, why would, why would I pray the prayer of agreement? Well, according to Ephesians 6, only because the Holy Spirit is stirring me. But, you know, I could receive through the prayer of faith for myself. But this might be for something, for some reason, he wants me to hook up with somebody else. But you gotta be, you gotta be both joined, right? You have to be both be in faith. So many times you'll see this in ministering to the sick. You go to see somebody and you're with somebody else, you wanna make sure that they believe that they're in faith and that you guys are on the same page, right? And you want to be careful of this fact with the prayer of agreement. Be careful not to think that prayer power is increased by numbers. See, power is not a byproduct of volume, right? So prayer power, don't buy into this that, you know, that it's just increased by numbers. No, no, no. The prayer of agreement is a prayer. It's all about being in one accord. That's the thing. It's, it's where two have one voice. You've come together and you're in one accord. That's, that's the prayer of agreement. There's nothing wrong with multitudes praying but Jesus is speaking about two, right? So next time we come together, I want to get into united prayer. This is, this is literally, uh, this, we'll see a story of Peter and John when they raised the guy up from the gate beautiful and, and all this stuff, you know, and uh, then, you know, the, the Caiaphas and Anna, the high priest, and those guys got pretty upset and they threatened them. Listen, we're going to let you go this time, but don't you ever teach or talk about anything in the name of Jesus anymore. And then it talked about, they went back to their company. Aren't you glad that they were part of a company? Every believer needs to be part of a company. That's why they need to be planted in the local body. Us as pastors, we didn't come up with that. That's Jesus, Right? So they went back to their company. They all prayed. The Bible says the place shook. I think we need to have some buildings shaken. And all we got to do is get of one purpose, of one mind, of one heart, and we'll see all this stuff because it's God. He wants that.